This Augusta Golf Show podcast is brought to you by Audi Augusta, online at AudiAugusta.com. John Cook is a U.S. amateur champion, won 11 times on the PGA Tour, 10 times on the PGA Tour Champions Tour. He now covers the game for Golf Channel. It's always a pleasure to welcome John Cook back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, John? I'm good, John. Thanks for having me. Thank you for saying yes to this. I want to talk about you and Tom Weisskopf, but I want to I want to mention this first. That was the U.S. Amateur was great this year. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was so much fun to be part of that uh, that crew and that telecast. It's uh, you know we talked a lot about uh, Colton Nose's win in '07 at the Olympic Club. We talked a lot a lot about my win. In, at Plainfield in 78 and then my, you know, my, uh, my clobbering in 79 with, uh, against Mark at O'Mara at, uh, at Canterbury. But it was so much fun just to be back and part of that. And, and they talk about the history of the U S amateur and, and, um, yeah, just to be, you know, have that feel again. Uh, I haven't, I haven't done a U.S. amateur. I've done a lot of college stuff. So I knew a lot of the field and I knew a lot of the players, but, to be part of that environment in the USGA and that Ridgewood was, uh, it was spectacular. Do you think, John, it's easier or harder to use the amateur as a stepping stone than, than say, when you want it? That's interesting. Um, you, you go back and you look at, I guess you would have to look at the fields and the draw. Um, and in 78, you know, I'd be, you know, a couple players that played on the tour, uh, you know, with, with uh, Mike Peck in the semis and then Scott Hoke in the final. Uh, and you go through the draw, you see just a lot of names that were, you know, had PGA Tour cards and won tournaments. Uh, then you go to 79, and, you know, my draw, I had I had Robert Wren, I had Lenny Clements, I had Gary Hallberg, and then I had Mark O'Mara. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you, you look at those, so you, you would go back and you would say, yes, it was a big stepping stone. It was you know, a, a great way uh, to to see where your game was when you got those invitations to the Masters, to the U.S. Open, uh, to the Open Championship, uh, to the World Series of Golf, to Bay Hill, uh, to Colonial. I mean, I got to play in all those as an as an amateur and uh, see see where my game was and if I could take that next step. Today, it's not a pedigree for you know that next guy. Um, there's been some wonderful winners, and you know that have gone on and had nice careers. Um, but it, it's not a it's not a pedigree. It, it's such a difficult tournament to win mm-hmm. that uh, you know the best the best of the best that are playing college golf don't necessarily get to you know the end of the uh, end of the rainbow there. But Sam Bennett sure did, and he was one of the best, and he he proved it. He showed it last week. Do you remember the first time you met Tom Weisskopf? Uh, I, I do. Um, I talked to him on the telephone uh, a couple of times when I was still in high school. I hadn't signed a national letter of intent yet. Um, I was you know, looking at a, a couple of schools, UCLA, Arizona State, and Ohio State. Um, I'd gone back for a visit, and I, I hadn't, uh, hadn't really decided anything. And I got a phone call one time. We were sitting at, at the dinner table, and my sister got up to answer the phone. And she says, hey, John, uh, Tom's on the phone. And I'm going, Tom, <laughs> like my, my group of friends, we didn't have a Tom you know, as a group of, you know, in our group of friends. So I, I didn't know 
And then she goes, oh, it is uh, Tom Weiskopf's on the phone. <laughs> I went, wow, okay. <laughs> so we chatted for a bit, and then we kept chatting, you know, periodically before I, you know, made my decision and made my decision, of course, to, to go to Ohio State. And um, you know, we got when I got back to school, when I was a freshman in school, he would, whenever he got back to Columbus, um, he would either call my dorm room or we'd just meet out at the golf course at Scarlet, and he would play with the golf team. He, he, he loved playing with the golf team when he was back in town, and then he would take us to dinner. It was, you know, <laughs> we're going to dinner on Fridays with Tom Weisskopf. Oh, my God, this is the greatest thing in the world. So um, we, be, we became great friends. He, he respected my game. Um, he gave me a set of irons that I used all the way through college and mm-hmm. first couple of years on tour, actually, that McGregor's and say TW on the, on the back and, um, uh, play practice rounds with, uh, Tom and Tommy Bolt at the 77 U S open at Southern Hills where Tommy Bolt had won and Bolt was, um, you know, a mentor of Tom's. So, you know, that was great fun. And then you know, wouldn't, whenever we could, you know, we would just play together and played three practice rounds with Ed Sneed, Ken Venturi, and Tom Weisskopf at Augusta in 1979. Um, I was a sponge. I just soak in everything that Kenny and and Tom had to say about the golf course. And, and, um, yeah, I just, he was so kind to me. And I learned so much doing outings and clinics with him, playing practice rounds, just chatting about golf and golf courses and, you know, to keep keep my eye open uh, on the golf course to see what the architect was, you know, what, what was he trying to say? What picture was he trying to paint off this tee? What, and that's why he had such a great eye for architecture. Uh, he paid attention, and it was uh, he paid attention to detail. Um, and uh, you know, I, I don't think that I could have you know, gotten where I did without you know a lot of his help. We're talking with John Cook. Here on the Augusta Golf Show, describe his swing. Poetry, it just for for a man of big stature of you know close to six foot four, and in those days that that was tall. That was mm-hmm. a very tall player. I think maybe George Archer was you know, the only one that was as tall or taller. Um, but George Archer didn't have a swing like Tom Weiskopf. Tom Weiskopf had a swing that was so natural, so beautiful, so technically great. Um, and it was so aesthetically pleasing. It was just, it was everything you could say about a wonderful golf swing. You have Hogan's swing, which was, you know, so revered. And, and you know, he was such a, a ball striker. And Sam Sneed was kind of the same way as Tom Weiskopf where they just had such an athletic, natural swing. And, you know, Tom could, he could pick one irons and two irons off the ground and hit them higher than a building. I mean, he, he just was, it was so beautiful to watch him hit long iron shots. Um, and he just, you know, kind of just play the game. He was so good, you know, taking, you know, taking spin off and varying his trajectory and knew when to do it and knew how to do it and when to play it. Um, you know, that golf swing of his was just uh, it's something he just never messed with. It's something he was born with. He didn't learn. I mean, I'm sure he learned some fundamentals, but he shouldn't. Learn, he certainly didn't learn that swing, and uh, you could watch it all day long. 
John, do you think like he felt he was always in Jack's shadow? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, he, he has said that uh, later in life. You know, he, he, he basically said that, that, you know, he, you know, it's, he lived in the shadow. He kind of took it a little bit personal that he, he knew he could beat him, but like that famous quote that, that he had, uh, that he had said about Jack, he said, Jack knew he could beat you. He knew, you know, you knew he was going to beat you. And then he knew that you knew that he was going to beat you. Yeah, it's so, great. It's great. You know, Jack kind of just had that over top of everybody. He's kind of like Tiger, you know, in his great run is, um, you know, it, it, even as great as you were. And he, you know, Tom kept saying, you know, when they played in the final group a bunch of times, he says, if I play my best, there's a chance that they may not win. And that, you know, you know, to go into, you know, a rivalry like that um, and into a, you know, a final round like that, it, it, uh, it can wear on you. And it, it, I think it wore, it wore on Tom that he you know, didn't win more against Jack. Um, he won plenty. He won 16 times. He won an, uh, an open championship. Um, but he knows that uh, that's probably the bare minimum of what, what he could have done. Did, did you feel any of that, or had too much time passed by the time you got to Ohio State? Um, I felt, you know, I never really did. I, I don't think I was quite on that level. Um, I was good. I was good enough to win tournaments, but I wasn't winning on a you know, consistent cliff. Um, so I was constantly grinding. Um, I was never afraid. I was never afraid being in the final group and final pairing, and or whether I was playing with Jack or whether I was playing with Tom or whether I was playing with Watson or whoever. I was never afraid. Um, I just knew I needed to be better, and I wasn't quite that player. Um, so it kind of motivated me to become a, a better player and get more efficient, um, get a little stronger. And you know, that, that kind of motiv- motivated me to do that. You know, with playing with Jack and playing with uh, Weisskopf as much as I did, uh, it showed me where my game was, and I wasn't quite there. And, you know, I, as much as I tried and tried and tried, I couldn't quite get there. But uh, I think Tom was kind of, you know, on that next level where he wasn't quite, you know, Jack. And it, uh, it certainly can get frustrating. And, you know, it, it showed um, – maybe on and off the golf course for Tom. You mentioned course design, and and often he's credited for for creating the drivable par four. Um, he he did some good golf courses, didn't he? Oh, yeah, wonderful golf courses. Um, he had that eye. He had that passion, John, that uh, he talked about. And he, he talked about his strategy of having a drivable four on every golf course that he did. And his thinking was, I want to make it where most of the, you know, the, the players, the championship caliber players can drive the green, but I don't want to make it so funky. He only wanted players to be able to make a two, three, four, or a five. He didn't want to bring six, seven, or, or do something crazy. Um, so you go to a, a Tom Weisskopf, Jay Morris golf course, and you're going to see you know, a par four, maybe two, that are drivable, but they're not crazy. They're not, you know, it's not like you either hit the green or you make a seven. Uh, you either hit the green and make a two, um, or, you know, you're not going to make more than a five. 
And that's what uh, was so great about his design. Is, um, it, it was so aesthetically pleasing. A lot like his golf swing, really. Mm. Like his golf courses are aesthetically pleasing to the eye. You don't go to a Tom Wise golf course and say, oh, my God, this is, this is crazy. Um, you go to a golf course, Tom Wise golf course, and you go, oh, this is really, this is really nice. I'd like to play here every day if I could. You know, as you say, aesthetically pleasing, I'd never thought about this, but now that I think back on Tom, and his height had something to do with it, you know, he was always dressed impeccably, too. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that was Tom. And everything about him was elegant. You know, it just was, you know, pleasing to the eye, the way that he dressed, the way that, you know, he walked, the way he swung a club, the golf courses that he built. Uh, basically, that, that was Tom. Tell me, tell me something we don't know about Tom. You know, he was he was really he was very giving, um, giving of his time. Uh, I mean, you hear all the you know stories of how you know temperamental he was, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, but you know what he, he if if you had a day that you know he could play in uh, an outing, or he, he was very very giving. It wasn't all about Tom. It was he was uh, he had his struggles off the golf course, and I think they're pretty well chronicled. We don't need to get into that, but um, you know, he if he had some time to give, he gave it, and you know that that was one of the things that I learned. I learned how to do outings. I learned how to do clinics with him in the early days of uh, my my tour career and being on the McGregor staff. He and I did a lot of outings and a lot of clinics together, and then just watching him you know, interact with people, um, you know, during those clinics. I've, I've learned so much about, you know, giving some time and giving some time to this person and not just, you know, walking your way through it, but, you know, spending time with that person, you know, uh, taking a picture and, you know, asking a question or something like that. Tom did a lot of that. You know, you and I are close in age, and I would assume most of the people listening to this program are of a certain age. And if you are of that certain age, and if I said to you, hey, by the way, Tom Weisskopf is not in the World Golf Hall of Fame, <laughs> you would go, what? Why, why, yeah, why, he, isn't, he, why isn't he in that? I don't any, have any idea, John. And Lanny Watkins you know, was a great, great friend of Tom. They played a ton of golf together. Um, same, you know, kind of the same year. Tom's a little bit older than, than Lanny, but, and we, we talk about it all the time on, you know, can you believe we got to, somehow we got a lobby to get Tom in the Hall of Fame. And, we, and, and people would just go, what? No, he's not. You know, it, it's kind of a crime. You know, you, you hate to put somebody that has deserved to be in there, you know, in, you know, you know, after, after they pass, um, but he deserves it. He, he's, and a lot of times, you know, the Hall of Fame isn't just about your record. Your record has a lot to do with it, obviously, but it has what you've done in the game. And he, you know, he's, he's done a lot in the game. Not only was he a great player and has an open championship and Ryder Cups and, you know, 16 wins, which is more than some of the, a lot of the players in there have, um, he was a wonderful broadcaster. You know, to have him sit at the 13th hole at Augusta, um, or, or in the tower at Augusta on 18, you know, talking about golf shots and um, you know, some of the, the great lines that he had while he was te- doing the broadcast are infamous. And then, you know, what he's done in golf course design. Um, 
there's a lot of ways you know to to add to your record uh, without winning golf tournaments. And I think that Tom has has checked off all those boxes. You know, you mentioned the broadcasting, and I'll never forget, never. And I every time I see it, I smile. Jack Nicklaus, 16th tee, 1986 <laughs> Masters, stepping away. And Jim Nance asking Tom, what is Jack thinking right now? And Tom says to the effect, if I knew how that guy thought, I'd have won this tournament a few times. That's what he said. Yeah. It's one of the great, great yeah. lines of broadcast all of all time. You know, without the calls, you know. Right. You know. You know yes, sir. Yeah. You know, the calls, yes, sir, and yeah. in your you know, life. all that. That one right there, just off the top of his head, not unrehearsed at all, came about at the in most incredible time in 1986. <laughs> and he had a, he had a, a bunch of those. You know, it's. Uh, I remember one time. I think it was I was I had got done playing, and he was doing the broadcast. He was with Brent Musburger, and Musburger had asked him. You know, Watson was playing great in the afternoon and the wind was blowing, you know, 25 miles an hour. The golf course was just playing so hard. And uh, Munzberger asked Tom, you know, what kind of a wind player Tom Watson was and says, well, Brent, he's only won five British Open. That's what I mean. He's done so much besides his golf record in, in the game. He should be in. That may be a bigger story about Brent than than Tom. Um, <laughs> right. When's when's the last time you saw Tom? Um, it was a couple of years ago. He was playing you know, uh, some of the uh, PGA Tour Champions events had mm-hmm. these events on Saturdays that they called the Legends of Golf, and uh, the tournament uh, manager, tournament host, tournament director would bring in Jack and Lee and Arnold and Gary Player and. Nancy Lopez and Pat Bradley and David Graham and and a couple of years ago um, and for a couple of years Tom was invited to play so uh, it was in Houston at the Insperity uh, yep. Invitational there at the uh, at the Woodlands and uh, it was great to just catch up and watch him hit some balls and just chat and you know talk about stuff and. You know, talk about uh, the old times and then watch him hit a couple balls and say, hey, Cookie, what's this look like? What's the same, Tom? <laughs> it's never changed. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty uh, good, it's, Tom. It's so uh, elegant. Yeah, yeah, for, you know, 70 years old and going through what you're going through. Yeah, Tom, that looks pretty darn good. Looks, yeah. looks the same. <laughs> um, before I let you go, here, this is, now we're getting down to brass tacks here. I'm a lifelong, and that's 50-some years, Notre Dame fan. Um, how many how many points are you going to give me? <laughs> Whatever the line is. <laughs> oh, okay, I see. Right, well, the line's big. Yeah, the line's big. Yeah, I know. I think the line's big, and yeah, I. What a, I mean, what a first game. Sure. I mean, set up your season. At least you have a chance. If it's a good game, goes either way, you still have a chance. Yeah. Um, you know, if this if this game was middle middle of the season, it's. Uh, you know, that might, might be an elimination game. But I think for both Notre Dame and Ohio State, you know, playing playing at the shoe, obviously that's a, that's an advantage for, for Ohio State. But, you know, Notre Dame's coming in with, you know, new coach, you know, that's Ohio State football player, All-American, you know, everything Ohio State. And he's bringing his team in to the shoe. Um, he's he's going to know what to expect. And I think that he's going to – he's going to have his team ready to play. 
Um, and it, it's just a matter on, you know, how, how big a couple of those losses were for Ohio State last year and what they meant. And to be ready for each and every game, especially against great teams, um, I think the coach they will have them ready. They're, they're, they're very deep, they're very athletic. I love the, the new defense. They're, they're fast. They're, they're, they're athletic and fast, and, and they're just going to be flying all over the place. It'll be something different than what we've seen the last few years at Ohio State. So it'll be great. It'll be a great game. It'll be well coached, obviously. So um, we'll, we'll wait till the third. <laughs> we'll wait till September 3rd to see how it comes out. He is John Cook. John, um, I thank you for doing this. I know Tom meant a lot to you, and thank you for saying yes when did, I asked. Yeah. I appreciate it. Hunter, absolutely. Uh, he was a great part of my life, great part of my, my golfing life.